Good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you. I see you're moving around, getting coffee and all of that stuff. That's all good. If you have your Bible, be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Before I get started, one of the things that I want to uh, just revisit here is you heard that there's a need for AV. That need is so great that we actually only have one person on the AV team, um, just from different circumstances and situations that we have. And so we really need your help. We uh, would love to have you be a part of this team. You know that this is an integral part of what we do here. We want to make sure that not only the teaching of God's word is undistracted by you know, noise and different things, but also that you're able to take notes that you're able to take something home with you, that you can consider how it is that you're going to apply this truth to your life. And so if you want to be a part of the team that is responsible for doing that, then this QR code right here, okay, if you check into that, that's going to allow you to sign up. And then you'll get a hold of Justin, who is in main service, working, doing the same thing. Uh, my dear brother Josh is just helping out because we need it. <laughs> and then Pastor James on the ones and twos back there. <laughs> and so this should be fun. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, and so, yeah, help your pastor. Uh, we don't really want Pastor James doing this. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, sign up. Men and women, you're all, all are welcome, OK? Uh, no puppies or cats, just men or women, OK? OK, now, back to work. 1 Samuel chapter 3. You know, I always say every time, so I'm not going to say it this time. But if you haven't been a part of what we've been looking at and learning from this, I would say you should probably listen up. You know, what we're talking about with 1 Samuel, we're just looking at the various lives of the individuals that we're going to come across as we read this verse by verse. And uh, we're going to have some opportunity to see some things that may help us uh, as growing leaders. We have growing leaders in this class spiritually that are going to be ministry leaders at some point. We have leaders that are parents, uncles and aunts, those, any of those relationships that you have, uh, employers, um, all of those things, all this can really apply to your life. And so you want to just dig in with us um, and get, you know, get caught up if you haven't been with us over this time. In terms of review of what we were looking at in chapter 3, we're going to be focusing on verses 11 through 21. Previously, we had looked at the first 10 verses. And just a slight review in terms of what our, our points were last time is we determined that leadership requires doing the work of God. Leadership requires intimacy with God. And then leadership requires listening to God. And so just in terms of where we are in this time period, is now we have a space where Samuel is, well, Josephus, the historian, says roughly 12 years of age. So he's, you know, um, kind of in this preteen. But man, he's shown just a great level of maturity just to obey and a simple faithfulness to help out in whatever way he can for uh, the temple uh, ministry. We've seen some interesting things about how he has been able to be dressed, having the linen ephod, which again just kind of shows to his character 
that he functions on some level mentally, he can understand the priesthood. And remember, there's a problem with the priesthood currently in Israel, so bad that uh, people are starting to hate coming to worship, uh, coming to sacrifice, coming to be a part. Why? Well, because Eli, the high priest, his sons, uh, have just done a terrible job of, I mean, everything from, you know, being excessive and, and gluttonous with the uh, offering that's provided, the meat offering, because there's obviously a portion that the Lord had called out for them, uh, the Levites, and then, and even to sleeping with some of the women uh, that are, you know, at the tabernacle. I mean, bad, just bad, like terrible testimony. And so this has gotten to the point, remember how this chapter started, one of the things, uh, I'll just read the first verse to you because it kind of just tells you where we are at. And it says, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. One of the things that's really critical at this point in time, uh, dispensationally, is how the Lord communicates. And he does that through his prophets. So right here, what we're learning is there's no communication happening between the high priest and the Lord himself. This is bad. Okay, this is essentially that high priest functions like in this dispensation, we would understand as Jesus Christ. So just imagine if Jesus and the Lord don't have any conversation. To be bad. Okay, this is a bad place for them to be in. And so the Lord is sorting this out. And what we're looking at is this is a pivotal point in this whole book because of really what's being discussed right here. It started in chapter two with the rebuke that Eli gave his sons, and then ultimately the rebuke that the Lord gave Eli from the man of God. But now we're getting to a place where Samuel is cued in on it. So we know that just Samuel, just in terms of being in this house of disarray, has seen what has taken place, but he, you don't see him speaking about it. He's not having conversation with because he's a kid. <laughs> it's not his business. He's doing Kid things and adult things, you know, just because he, he's being faithful and ministering. And you just get these one verse mentioned about what he's doing. And he ministered unto the Lord. And it's like, on to the next thing. Well, let me tell you about what's happening with Eli and his boys. And so now we're seeing him grow up right before our very eyes. Super critical. And so let's look at the text here. It's going to be 11 through 21, like we said. And so it says, and the Lord said to Samuel... Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I also will make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God, do, do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, 
and he did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And so what's happening here? Samuel meets with God about Israel, Eli, and his sons. Remember that first part of that, he says, behold, I will do a thing in Israel. And then he goes on to speak about Eli. And what effect is this having? This effect is restoration for Israel is coming. And so the Lord is just cueing this, guy, this kid into it and bringing him into a space of maturity because he has shown a level of faithfulness. And so the Lord knows he can handle it. And just what we get a chance to do is just kind of see, okay, what are the leadership points of, of what we're looking at? We do have a concern, though, that can be generated. It's like I said, restoration is coming. It is not yet here. And so what can happen is this. We can become hopeless in the face of difficult situations. And so I wonder just is, you know, prayerfully that it's going to minister to some of you that may be in a thing that restoration is coming, but because it may be a little bit off, you're kind of in a place. And you're worried. And you're starting to get hopeless a bit. And so... Our title this morning is There is Still Hope. You saw how this ends, but let's just see how it is that we get there. Our simple outline this morning from 11 to 14 is we see the work of the Father. 15 through 18, we'll see Samuel's heart for Eli. And in 19 to 21, we'll see the Lord returns to Shiloh. Okay, and so as we just get into it here, the work of the Father, in those uh, first few verses, and I'll read them again, it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And so already you want to get this down. God wanted to be clear that he will deal with Israel and Eli. And one of the things that I think is kind of important we, we have to remember, as we've been called into this ministry of reconciliation, that is absolutely true. There is absolutely work to that. But there is a portion of this that only God himself can do. And I love, in particular, that God owns what he says he's going to do. He did the same thing with Moses. And Moses panicked <laughs> in the midst of this opportunity that's being presented to him. And we do the exact same thing. There's this work that God has, guys. This, it's, it's God's job to save this world. He's just going to use us as instruments. I can't, you know, I, I don't want to get too worked up for the thing and the impossibility because a lot of times what human nature will do is you'll just retreat. God doesn't want you to retreat. You need to also understand and get this down as well. This work is above Samuel. And he's a young man. 
And if you think about the two things that the Lord is saying that he's going to do, I will do a thing in Israel. And then in verse 12, I will perform against Eli. That is not Samuel's job. Something that is noteworthy to mention here is God's judgment of Eli. Because, you know, the thing you have to consider is the Lord, even in this dispensation, provides avenues for you to reconcile with him, right? There's ways that you could do that. The thing that you don't want to miss right here is that he says something very interesting in verse 13. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Next verse, and therefore... So as a result of that lack of activity on his part to deal with his sons, now we're at a point where the Lord has no choice but to judge that. Had he had done any kind of discipline, removed them, asked the Lord even, hey, Lord, how it is that you want me to handle this, the Lord surely would have given him an answer, but he didn't seek that. See, earlier what we see is that the Lord says that he loved them more than, than himself. And that's a problem. You know, we tend to do that. We can put things before the Lord, uh, our own desires, our own life and all of those types of things. Right. And so this leads him to a very difficult space. And what you see is I can almost hear the apathy in Eli's voice. Like he's just. I'm just going to let this happen. Whatever God decides, I'm just going to let it happen. Whatever he does, man, you love your sons enough to just let the Lord just basically say, hey, I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to deal with you. And it just, we just let it happen. But the thing I also that is very interesting in terms of Samuel hearing this information is that it's not something that he has to worry about doing. And guys, listen, this is just a great um, uh, principle for us is that, man, uh, you, don't, you don't have to judge in a, such a way that you condemn the Lord, man. Let the Lord sort all of that stuff out. You pray God's mercy in people's lives, no matter how they've hurt you, no matter how they've dealt with you unjustly. Man, pray that the Lord would be merciful to them and get their heart. Man, I want to see no man destroyed. No man to die in his sin. And spend eternity separated from God? Why would I want that for anybody? I don't have an enemy that I can think of that deserves that. I love Samuel's heart here. Side note, I wonder if that apathy that we can almost hear in Eli's because the hard-heartedness of his sons made him that way. Have you ever met anybody like that in ministry? You know, you want to share the gospel with this person. You've tried multiple times, and they just refuse. Don't you kind of sometimes almost want to give up just telling them? Like you just, they're frustrating. You end up in arguments with them. You, you know, there's some kind of way that you want to, and you forget this one important aspect. It's God that's going to do the work. You're just the instrument. So be the instrument. 
The hammer never says, hey, stop hammering with me. It's just available. And when I grab it, I can use it. That's what we are. Be the hammer. Now, we don't want to be hammered down on people, but you know, so be a wrench or something like that. You know, maybe a little, little friendlier tool than a hammer. Some of you are like, yes, I want to be a hammer. No, no, you be some vice grips or something. <laughs> you know, but ultimately, you understand what I'm saying. It's like, man, there can't be any quit in us if we love people, um, if we want to see people actually turn back to Christ, man, we can't give up on them. We can't give up on the things that they need to hear on a regular basis. And so this is our key point then. Good leaders can discern what they can carry and what only God can carry. Good leaders can discern what they can carry and what only God can carry. You don't want to confuse the two as you're growing in ministry and just growing as an individual, there are things that you absolutely need to turn over to somebody higher authority than you. And as it relates to ministry, boy, that is true. Um, <laughs> most of it, all of it, <laughs> you know. Matthew 11, 26, 30 says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you feel that burden is light this morning? Listen, I, I, you know, I understand your heart for those around you, but you can't make anybody do anything. What you can do is fall on your knees, beg God's mercy, uh, on behalf of these individuals that we're having to deal with, maybe we got some difficult kids in here. You know, we've had seasons in Faith Fellowship where we just needed to commit to pray for our kids because they are being riotous in various homes. And, and the Lord has settled that, and he's quieted things down. We, man, let me know. You know, let Pastor James know. We will, we will send those things up. Because, listen, if not, what happens is you just get tired of saying the same thing. You got to know what, what, what's God's part, and you got to know what's your part. And you don't want to mix the two. So you have work to do. So focus on that and let God do the rest. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so... My salvation doesn't come by anything that I'm going to offer. That is something that's a finished work at the cross. I wasn't on the cross. Jesus was. It's done work. But now we often don't quote the rest of it. The rest of it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So there is something for you to do. And what we see Samuel doing is not trying to do more than what it is that he's been assigned to do. Oh, we could learn a lot just from that sim just simplicity. See, the thing that I want you to understand about Samuel, especially in light of this contrast that we get between Eli and his boys, is there are multiple verses mentioned about Eli and his sons and just a few verses for Samuel. Why? Because your life is really simple when you're disobedient. Obedience just makes your life simple. All the choices that you have when you... 
If you're running those things through the word of God and you're saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do in this situation? I'm telling you, the Lord gives you a straight and narrow path to follow. The problem is we like to detour because it's not happening in the time frame that we want it to. And so, man, let's learn from little Samuel. Simple. Keep it simple. What is the thing that the Lord has called you to do? Perhaps it is that you just, you've been coming here for some time, and, but you haven't yet done maybe new members. Man, join us. Be a part. You know, you're going to be in faith fellowship. Hey, we need help on the AV. Maybe the Lord is pressing your heart and saying, hey, you should do that. Man, help us. Help us do that. It's not a small matter. Remember, I said everything that you do matters, especially as it promotes um, the, the teaching and preaching of God's word into the lives and souls of men and women. So there's all these little aspects that happen in a church that are necessary. Man, are you, are you going to put your hand to the plow and get to work? Maybe it's COD. You've been knowing for months. Man, I need to get in that class. You missed the last one, and you're like, I need to do that. I need to get a disciple. Praise the Lord. Do it. I mean, just start and just really simply. Like, don't, you know, again, <laughs> we automatically think, oh, I'm coming to church, and now I got... I got to be a pastor. No, nobody. Just, just start coming regularly. How about that? Let's just start there. <laughs> you know, uh, nobody's asked you to run a ministry. We may later, but I mean, you know, but just let's just prove it out first, right? And so again, it's the little things that we see Samuel doing that we have to pay attention to. Um, in the midst of all of this, like tornadic, you know, activity around it. It's like a hurricane that he's in. It's madness. And this guy just, huh? And Samuel ministered to the, unto the Lord, period. <laughs> Next verse is like, wow. I, yeah, Lord, help simplify my life in the same way. Now let's see what work Samuel has right out the gate. Verse 15. And Samuel lay until the morning. So now he's gotten this information and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Don't miss that first part. What does he do? He doesn't get up and run into Eli's room. Man, I got something to tell you, brother. <laughs> None of that. Samuel, lay until the morning. Probably eyes wide open. Like that was heavy what I heard last night. I had no idea that the Lord... It's coming for Eli in that way, right? So it's easy to get up when you probably didn't sleep very well just with all the information he had, right? Open the doors of the house of the Lord. And what does it say? Just in terms of you see already his heart for Eli, guys. I mean, great lesson right here. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Now, we want to understand something. When you look at this fear, it's just the fear to do it. It's not because he's afraid of, of Samuel or sorry, of Eli, the issue is, is he loves him and respects him. He's like a father. What he just heard is, is hard for somebody you love. And so he doesn't want to just, you know, just run to give this kind of information. Verse 16, then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. 
And he said, what is this thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what uh, seemeth him good. And so get this down. Samuel, with more information about Eli than he wants to know, does a good job of being submitted. You notice that? Opens the doors. There's no mention of this. Not until Eli presses him and says, hey, tell me. If he hadn't said that, I just wonder how long Samuel would have just held it. The character that we see of Samuel is he found no joy in finding that information. And so he may have just held it to himself forever if the Lord, because now notice too, the Lord doesn't tell him that to say anything. He's just letting him know. And, what, and why this is important, guys, is because there was no open vision. But now you're starting to see that the, that the Lord is talking to him in a way that he would speak to the prophets. This is a really important shift. There's a high priest already in place, you know. I wonder, guys. How hard would it be to hear information like that? Somebody you love, you hear that the Lord himself is coming for them. What would you do with that information? How would you handle that? Would that be sensitive material for you? Would you try to warn them and see, you know, would you try to plead on their behalf to the Lord? Or just how would you handle that? Just consider the, the gravity, the, the difficulty that's right here, just in that verse. Samuel's love and respect for Eli keeps him silent. Because why? He knew it wasn't his place to mention it. This wasn't something that he needed to run into his room and tell him. Man, he was more concerned with, you know what? That's between Eli and the Lord. The Lord has filled me in, but there's still temple work. And so I'm going to get to work. Boy, can I hear an amen on that? Juicy information often will throw us off course of the work that God has called us to because we want to share, we want to talk about it, we want to go back. No, just, hey, just focus on what you got to do. Hold that information. You have no idea what this thing, impact is going to have in that individual's life. Man, just you focus on what you have to, especially as you know the Lord is doing something. Man, just let him do the work. Samuel's faithfulness to the Lord gave him courage to speak the truth and love. You realize that in this part here, and it says, and he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. So now Eli is hearing it for the second time. What's interesting about this, too, would be that Eli has already heard this in more detail, um, a little more gorier detail, uh, sadly. But now he's hearing it from the mouth of Samuel he knows this is a shift of responsibility and that Samuel is basically replacing him. 
because of this information that he's getting. This is very, very critical information. See, Eli knows that God spoke to him, and he's seeking confirmation on what he heard. And so, here's our key point here. In terms of Samuel, what we see, good leaders don't need to tear others down in order to prop themselves up. This wasn't something that Samuel was going to find any joy in. He was just going to simply get back to work and let things fall where they're going to fall. This is difficult. This is a man that has been like a father that has raised him, probably has a better relationship with him than Eli actually has with his own sons. Uh, you see that just in terms of, in chapter 2, how closely Samuel responds when he thinks it's Eli calling out to him in the night. And he's like, here I am. What do you need? I got you. His boys didn't run in there. Now it's because the voice of the Lord is speaking to Samuel. But still, just the urgency that he has to be there for him is beautiful. Good leaders don't need to tear others down in order to prop themselves up. Romans 12, 3 is a great reminder of this. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Well, I pray this morning that um, we hear that. I think just as a class, as a church, as a city, as a nation, sober thinking feels like it is the farthest thing that anybody is thinking. Farthest thing away. We've thought everything else but soberness. And let me warn you a bit here. A lack of soberness in any situation makes you pray for the enemy. A lack of soberness in any situation makes you pray for the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. See, guys, you don't want to open yourselves up. And I love that Samuel took a position that just said, I'm going to be quiet and go and do my job. Again, simple, right? How he functions, what we see him doing, how he just keeps seemingly moving along in his faith. And yeah, we understand that the Lord is not, uh, this isn't a documentary, so to speak, that would be all the details of Samuel. But the Lord has told us what we need to know concerning Samuel. So we understand something very important about him is that this guy has a sober mind as a young man even in terms of how he's going to deliver that information, even as this transition is happening. And he may not fully understand it. Maybe he does. There's no indication either or. But the thing is, man, he's just handling it again with just a certain amount of biblical professionalism. God help us to get some of that. And so, last thing. Let's examine his faithfulness. And it just says very uh, beautifully, very clearly, 19 to 21, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. That verse alone, you should probably underline in your Bible. Why so? Because this is something that we should strive to do ourselves. 
Guys, we have more access to the Word of God than any generation prior. You, I, we have the treasure of Scripture knowledge, <laughs> exhaustive strongs, and the Bible on your phone. Three very large books, <laughs> you know, like on your phone. It's all right there. You can search whatever you, and we definitely let words fall to the ground, right? Not Samuel. Samuel grew. The Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And, and don't miss this. And here's that hope, because ultimately the backdrop of this is this failed priesthood um, that the Lord wants to replace, that the Lord wants to see get things back in order. And it says something very interesting in verses 20 and 21. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Why oh, isn't that something? What has this kid done other than be faithful, y'all? Do you understand that? He hasn't slayed any monsters. He hasn't done any, led any charges in battle. None of that. You understand that? It's just simple obedience. Boring obedience. I'm going to be here. I'm faithful. The door's open. I'm here. That kind, of, that kind of level of obedience. And now everybody, everybody in the kingdom knows that this guy is the guy now. Man, come on. Verse 21, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. See, this should make us rejoice. Because just when you thought the chips were down, just when you thought all was lost, just when now, not only are you living in a difficult situation, but now you've got an intel of, a, of, of how judgment will be very difficult for a loved one. And that verse right there says, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Because remember, he hadn't. He stopped showing up there. There was no, conver no open vision, no conversation. And now, because of little Samuel and his simple obedience, now we're getting to see that the Lord himself is appearing again. Verse 21. Oh, excuse me. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel and Shiloh by the word of the Lord. See, listen. Get this down. This situation helps Samuel understand the importance of comprehending the word and applying it to his life. Listen, faith fellowship, this is the uh, hello somebody moment. <laughs> if you don't grow to the point that you understand the importance of comprehending God's word and then applying what it is that you say that you know to your life, you will stay in this cycle that you're in. So you have to, you have to learn God's word for yourself so that you know, okay, the Lord is saying to me about this situation, this is how I need to carry it out. And then that you execute what it is that God is telling you. If you don't do that, listen, it will be difficult. How can you win 
if you don't use the strategy that the Lord has given you to win with. You see what I'm saying? What has this kid done outside of that? Man, he understands God's word. He understands the position he's in. He understands how to submit. He just maintains a level of faithfulness. It's not hard. It's not hard. And guess what? There's hope. Because the Lord is going to do something in Israel. The Lord will deal with Eli. It will not be forever that you will be in the situation that you're in, but you have to obey. Guys, you got to obey. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I'm just going to tell you this kind of thing every week. And guess what? When you go in the main service, you're going to hear that from Sam. And guess what? If you left this class, you said, I'm sick of you telling me this. You're going to hear it in whole heart and in life and in Kaya and good ground and every other place. What did I miss? The Spanish class, <laughs> the, the kid town. We teach you the word of God, guys, not so that you can just have great facts to make your head big. It's so that you will actually apply what it is you're learning. Every single distress that you are in has an answer in the word of God. Every single one. Not one. Nothing that you're dealing with has shocked the Lord. Nothing. You might be shocked. He's not shocked. See, the thing that's noteworthy here, get this down. Listen, I'm begging you. Listen to me. I need your help on AV now. We need, a, we, need a, we need to confirm the individuals that's on the food team, and we need new people, because you make a mean whatever, and we ain't had it yet. We got to have it, because that blesses our heart. No. Nope. <laughs> listen, listen. Get this down. Continued faithfulness in small ways can lead to greater ministry opportunity. Nothing Samuel has done is impressive by man's standards, but the Lord is impressed enough that he is now the prophet of Israel? <laughs> what? What did he do? That's where we go. Well, he must have done something like, I mean, he's slaying. No. The one thing that they actually called out specifically, he opened some doors. <laughs> There's other things, <laughs> right? But like, that's the only thing the Lord actually like said, like described it. Like, he opened some doors. Man. Continue faithfulness in small ways, guys, can lead to greater ministry opportunity. The other thing that's extremely noteworthy, you must get this down, write it in all caps, the Lord never forsakes his people. Never. Verse 11, I will do a thing in Israel. Yes, sir. And he will do a thing in your home, in this church, in your community, at work, in Kansas City, in the U.S., in the world. The Lord never forsakes his people. 
Key point. Good leaders rely on the word of God. Good leaders rely on the word of God. These are some incredible verses I'm about to read to you. That's the last one. I just, it almost brought me to, uh, to tears. First one, Psalm 119, 107. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according unto thy word. Psalm 119, 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. And this last one, guys. 119, again, 116, verse 116. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let not me... Not, let me not be ashamed of my hope. And the reason that was so touching to me is like, man, I, I was just thinking, I pray that in our class, is your hope the Lord himself? Is his return the thing that you have hope in? Are the promises by, of his word the thing that you hope in? And I love that he says, man, it's a plea. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. If you don't rescue me, then that's shame to me because my hope is that you will rescue me. You see what I'm saying? Powerful. See, I need some people in here. We need some people in this church to have that kind of hope. That kind of hope in the face of whatever you're dealing with that you say, you know what, I don't care what's happening to me. The Lord is my stay. I can face it. I have his word. And he has my heart. So I trust him. Consider this. The situation was so bad in Israel that it involved an entire nation. Entire nation is suffering as a result of this priesthood situation, right? Samuel remained faithful to the Lord by his word. It's simple, guys. If you want to see victory in whatever it is that you are dealing with, it is going to only come according to God's word. It will not be some other coping mechanism that you can think of. It is not going to work. You, of the household of faith, are God's children. It must be, it shall be, that our God is the one that rescues us. Amen. If somebody doesn't know who he is, then you need to rectify that and get on the winning team. So listen, we got some application things I want you to consider. I didn't make a Mm, one day. <laughs> All right, write this down. First one, are you burdened with things that only God can deal with? Are you burdened with things that only God can deal with? You know, sometimes the Lord will let you wear yourself out with worry. 
because it brings you to a place of desperation. He loves when you're desperate. Because then you know what you do? If you do it right, you cry out to him. You say, Lord, I'm desperate. I, I'm under, I don't know what to do here. That's, a, that's the best place for his children to be. Because oftentimes we're like, I got it. Let me go do this thing. And you mess it up. And you're like, actually, I just messed that up. Can you help me fix this? You know. So you burn with things that only God can deal with? Next one. Do I sometimes lash out in frustration? You know, that's tied to that key point where what you're doing is you're tearing people down. Do you, do you lash out in frustration? Um, you are the sons and daughters of God. What do you have to be frustrated about? Your eternity is settled. You know how that's going to work out. If you die, you go to heaven. If you live and he comes back, you go to heaven. What's the problem? Any issues? Probably not. <laughs> not in reality. Not in eternity. I get it. We got this little flesh that's made up of donuts, basically. And so, I, you know, as squishy as that is, that's about how much we can take. Oh, it's troubling. Ah, you know, all is lost. It's like, no, it's not. You're fine. Come on. But do you get frustrated? And then when you do, do you lash out? You just lay waste to folks. <laughs> Got to apologize. You know you could avoid that just by not lashing out. How about do the Samuel? Study to be quiet. It's hard. Sometimes you got to get the last word in. Husbands and wives, the worst. Just be quiet. And then the last question. How can I rely on God's word today? Today. Not tomorrow. Not doing your you know, sanctified devotion time with the sun coming in, 7.05, freshly made coffee, croissant. And you've read that verse 10 times and you don't even know what it says because <laughs> you got your mind on what you're going to do at work. Or you can kind of hear your kids rustling and you rolled your eyes like, please don't ask me for cereal already. I've only read a verse and I haven't comprehended it, <laughs> you know. Right? I mean, like, this is how our lives are. And this, this is what we do. <laughs> so before that happens, you need help today. So how can you rely on God's word today? Now, I'm going to just leave you with that. Let's pray. Consider God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do just thank you so much. Uh, for Samuel's example, um, man, I, you know, help us, Lord, to just stop complicating our lives with uh, our choices, our heart attitude. Um, it's tough. You know, we're all guilty of it. You know, we're all of us. And uh, man, they can just really make things more um, tiresome than they really need to be. Father, uh, you are our protector, our provider, our savior, our redeemer, our justifier, uh, our Lord, our brother, our friend. Uh, you are everything. And yet, Lord, um, sometimes we can feel lonely, 
Um, we can feel as if you are forsaking us because the length of our difficulty. Father, help us to just throw all of that nonsense out and really just believe you will never leave us nor forsake us because you said so. And so that's all we have to go off of because you said it. And so, Father, help us to just consider your word. Help us to obey the simple things that we, that we know, that we say that we know. And I pray that we would be a class that just lives out your truth in our lives. Lord, thank you for the simplicity of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.